0: Okay, first reading is from uh, Psalm 139, uh, verses 7 to 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Second reading is from Romans 1, verses 19 to 21. Since what, you, what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to them, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And the third reading is from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I'd now like to invite Tim on up. And just before you speak, mate, I'm going to pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you for Tim. I want to thank you for the word that you've placed in his heart. I want to ask, little God, that your Holy Spirit would work in and through him and bring something incredibly timely and right for us as your people. Lord, minister to him as he ministers to us. In your mighty name. Amen.
1: Really, uh, it's quite a privilege to be able to be here with you. I've been a part of this Sunshine Coast community for some 17 years. Prior to that, lived in the, in the US for a number of years. Um, prior to that, a little Sydney lad, but uh, came into an encounter with Jesus that was absolutely life transforming. And I hope that part of that transforming message would bring life to you. In this space this morning, and not just in these walls and, and in, in your hearts within this space, but, but beyond. And uh, I, I'm sorry that this morning Jim Lovell couldn't be here. Uh, Jim Lovell is one of my heroes, not just because of his last name, but as one of those Apollo great men who went out into the, you know, the limits of space that we're able to engage. And uh, I, I love that, Richie, you brought that example of, um, of earth and the scope of it. And like, that's the stuff that ignites my imagination. Um, and, and because God has declared himself as the creator of all of it, but not just the creator of all of that stuff, but the one who engages us. And that's what I want to hopefully explore just a little bit this morning. And, and and it shouldn't take long because we're going to look at the Bible all the way from Genesis through Revelation. So we should be through it in, in no time at all, I hope. Those who are online, uh, hopefully I, I won't wander too much out of screen, but I tend to be a wanderer. I'll I'll try and anchor myself as as best I can. The theme we are going to explore is a theme that I know we are in the midst of in this season at at Kiwana Life. But uh, I believe it's a theme that is imperative to our understanding of God. It's not just a seasonal theme. This is a theme that we should absolutely anchor ourselves to. And it's this idea that God is with us. He is not a casual observer of us. He is not the one who mandated an experiment and set it in, in place and sits back and, and watches it unfurl or unfold. He's the God who is actively engaged with us. And this is what I want I want to look at. Because all the way through Scripture, if we, if we look at it and engage the text, you find God who who pursues humanity. It it really seems like his desire is to lean in and to connect, to engage us. And this invitation is truly for us to engage him. God's desire in scripture is to be known. And his presence to be known. And I know there are seasons we go through where we ask questions, and and I imagine it's true in this space. It is true in my own life. God, where are you? I don't know if you've ever struggled with that question. God, where are you? Throughout the scriptures, people struggle with that question. God, where are you? Where have you gone? Where's your voice gone? Where's your presence gone? And the reality that we have to wrestle with in the tension of those questions is this, that God says, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And so it is a wrestle, and I don't hide that fact. But by faith... Hebrews 11 chapter 1 is where we learn that faith is being sure of those things hoped for, absolutely certain or convinced of those things not seen. And one of those is that God, you are with us. You are with me. In this trial, in this loneliness, in this sickness, in this suffering, in this injustice, in whatever it is we find ourselves in that challenges that notion of the faithful presence of God. Faith stands firm and says, you are. And you are here. And you are going to accomplish all that you purpose to accomplish. And here's the thing that I... I hope we'll we'll really gravitate to in in this hope. You see, the Bible is bookended by the idea of the presence and the engaged presence of God. You go to Genesis chapter three, and we find that God has created uh, humanity, Adam and Eve, and He places them in a garden. And the garden is not just like a a little habitat for them to live in. It is a place, a space that God has set aside that he engages them. He meets with them. We read about it that God talks with them. He sits with Adam and he brings the animals past. He goes, come on, let's name them. Let's have fun together. You ever thought which animals come first? Which animals come last? I do. I think... In the beginning, there were animals that came past like rhinoceros and hippopotamus. And Adam just waxes eloquent with all these big names that have, by the end, he's like, cat, dog, ant. Like, he's just like, let's, let's just, just keep them moving. That's just kind of how we are. But God sets this space aside for engagement, for connectedness, for conversation. It ends Revelation chapter 21 where God brings a new heaven and a new earth and it says the dwelling place of God is now with man. God sets up an eternal kingdom and the ultimate fulfillment comes of his desire, which has always been what? To dwell in the midst of his people. So Genesis chapter 3 all the way, Revelation chapter 21, and they are not separate ideas. All the way through the scriptures, we find that God reveals what I'm going to refer to as his manifest presence. And these, it's, it's different. What we see in, in Psalm 139 is this all-encompassing presence of God. The psalmist says this, where can I possibly go, God, that you are not there? There is no place in space or on this earth or beneath this earth that, God, your presence is not. If I was to rise and make my bed on the far side of the sea, if I'm to go to the highest of heights, if I'm going to the the deepest of depths, if I go to the darkest place, God, your presence is there. And that that presence is the, the everywhere presence of God, the existent presence of God. But what Romans chapter one that was read says is that man is without excuse, because in everything God has declared himself. And so he wants to be seen and he wants to be. Acknowledged, and he wants to be known in the vastness. But God wants to be engaged in what I would refer to as the manifest presence of God. Now, to illustrate that, we've all been doing something this morning that I imagine very few of us have actually thought about. We've engaged air. We just do it. Air is present. We suck it in, we breathe it out continuously. It's our existence, it's essential to us. And that's what I would refer to as the inescapable everywhereness of air. But there are places you will go that you will be much more aware of air. Now, one thing I love, not just space, this may be familiar to some of you. This is called a regulator. And regulators are used in scuba diving. And there are places that I have gone that are an invitation to mystery. Uh, I've gone places that probably shouldn't have, but the invitation of the depths just keeps saying to me come deeper, come deeper. But when you are deep, you are aware of every breath that you take. And this is what becomes what I would refer to as the manifest breathing. It is not the unintentional just... In, out, all day long. It is an intentional, I am down here deep and I am measuring and metering every single one. I know when I breathe in and I know when I breathe out. And this is what I believe the difference is if you'll allow the illustration between the all present presence of God. Don't even think about it really. And the manifest presence of God that is an absolutely engaged, I know every one of them. Now, the problem that we have is that we can take it for granted. Breathing, just, we just take it for granted, miss it. Don't even realize that we absolutely need it for survival, just happens. And this is the problem that we run into when we get that casual about God. And it's what I would refer to as the the big man upstairs breathing. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I believe in God. Yeah, I, I believe in you know the, the big guy upstairs. It's a very casual acknowledgement of the somethingness of God. But it misses the precise, engaged, manifest nature of God that wants to be known. And I wonder this morning, even for you, where are you with that? Are, are you breathing casually in the space of uh, "Yeah, he's he's there somewhere"? I, I believe in a God. I believe in something bigger. Or have you actually engaged the God of the precise, manifest, immediate, engage with you, engage with him relationship? They're different. But God has revealed himself all the way through the scriptures. And I'm going to pull out a few very quickly because of time. You can go to Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 4, just chaos erupts, and man does what man sees fit to do. We reject what God said was good. We decide we're going to do it our own way. Murder kicks in, all kinds of things. And by Genesis chapter 6, God goes, enough. Except he comes to one man, a man named Noah. Noah. And you see God come and speak to Noah and he comes in his person, in his presence and calls Noah out and reveals himself as God, the preserver of his purpose. God's purpose was to create humanity, to reveal himself in them, to them. He's going to annihilate it all, but he goes, you know what, I'm going to stay true to my word. And he preserves in Noah. And God reveals himself in his presence as the preserver. You go on a few more chapters and a lot more story happens and God comes to another man, Abram. And God reveals himself in his person and in in vision and in his presence as God the promiser. And this is moments, these are moments that happen that God wants people to engage him and he wants to reveal part of himself. And it's recorded that we would also know it. You go a little bit further and things have gotten pretty wild again and we come to this family of Abram in trouble. We come to the book of Exodus and God speaks to another man. And in turn, a people. And he reveals himself as God who is the deliverer. And when they're delivered, he reveals himself as the protector. And when they're in need, he reveals himself as the provider. And every time God comes really specifically, his presence is seen, his presence is known. Like really intimately, But it doesn't mean he's removed himself from the rest of the space. Everyone else, everywhere else in the world is still seeing his creation, is still aware of the presence of God. Because we're without excuse, right? But there are really specific times along the journey. In that story of Exodus, you hear God say things like this in Exodus 29. I will dwell amongst them. I will make my dwelling place amongst you. We see the tabernacle, the presence of God in this tent that's built for his dwelling place. He goes, I make my dwelling where? Amongst you. Like right there with you. You see him reveal himself by day and by night, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Why? Because he wants to be known as God who is with his people. Even in their wanderings, that to me is phenomenal. Even when people get off track and he tells them, you're going to wander for some 40 years, he goes, I'll wander with you. Isn't that beautiful? That is the manifest presence of God that he desires us to see and to know. He comes later with the temple. Solomon builds the temple in Jerusalem. And God again says there, I will dwell amongst the sons of Israel and I'll not forsake my people, First Kings 6.13. And even when after that they rebel against him and reject him and king after king go haywire and it's it's a mess and he ends up sending them into exile there is a prophetic word through a man named ezekiel and god speaks this and he goes i will still make a covenant of peace with them it'll be an everlasting covenant and i will place uh, and and i will be placed with them and i will multiply them i will settle them and i will set my sanctuary or my dwelling place in their midst forever Like this is how deliberate God is to be seen and to be known specifically. And his purpose, I believe, was that he would show himself like that amongst the nations. That God is very specific in his engagement. Problem is humanity. We we always get it wrong. We got it wrong in the garden. We got it wrong in our rejection of him. Of his ways, we got it wrong in our rebellion and our wanderings. And the beautiful thing is, even though God has shown up again and again and again and revealed himself as the one who gives promise and the one who gives purpose and the one who's a protector and a provider and all these things, you come to this place that God goes, I do not want you to misunderstand it anymore. I don't want you to keep missing it. I want you to know me as all these things, but I want you to see it very clearly. And we see Jesus. And what was read to us so beautifully from Colossians chapter 1 is the person of Jesus, the absolute revelation of the fullness of God in human form. And what did he do? He came and lived amongst us. This is the beauty of what we see of God with us throughout the scriptures, all the way from cover to cover. And then he he provides this way through redemption, through sacrifice, through the provision of himself, his forgiveness, his restoration to bring that purpose back. And in Jesus, everything that we saw as a glimpse, everything that we saw that was, Noah had a glimpse, and Abram has a glimpse, and Moses has a glimpse, and the people of Israel have a glimpse, and, the, and, and Solomon and kings and all these, they have glimpses all the way through. But Jesus comes. And he reveals himself, the fullness of God as preserver, promiser, deliverer, protector, provider, purifier, purchaser in person. And then he says this, as he's leaving to return to heaven, he says, And I'm going to send you a comforter, my spirit. And a comforter is this, that we're not troubled. And this is why when the Spirit of God is at work in us, we don't need to be troubled. Because all those glimpse, revelations come to fulfillment in Jesus, and then we get to anchor ourselves to that and know the work of His Spirit in us that confirms those truths about Him to us. It's incredible. And his spirit does not come and go in our lives. His spirit is God dwelling within us in what? His partiality? No, his fullness. His fullness dwelling in you, dwelling in me. He doesn't pop in and out. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. And so all of these things that then have come to fulfillment remain as a part of me and here's the call see once we have that confidence we are in turn asked to engage the call i have a deep respect for donnie and he and he knows this i love his heart for people because it is the heart of jesus for people donnie will never be content contained to four walls of the building. Never. And mind you, noble Jesus. Never will. I love that there's a call to the surf club and there's a call to the football club and there's a call to the homeless community and there's a call to whoever. And this is the beauty of the kingdom of God. And I I want to read just briefly as I I bring this to an end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we come to verse 18 and it says, All this is a gift from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ. And a lot of us stop there. He brought us back to Christ. But we miss the call. The presence of God in us is to become a declaration of his continued presence in this earth. And you and I become the what? The manifest presence of Christ in community. Think about that for a second. People say things like you might be the only Jesus people see. True, true. And if his spirit is at work in us, we should be reflecting the fullness of the image of Christ. Yes, we fall short. But here's the call. God has given us, us, this task of reconciling people to him. (laughs) Ha! God, who gave glimpses of his abiding manifest presence all the way through, then empowers us and goes, I am now making my manifest presence known. Where? In you. It's not a building, it's not an order, not through some sect. No, in you. As an individual. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we say, Come back to God. God made Christ to never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ and then become messengers of this. God is with us. God has always been with us. God has been the ever present God, but God has been the manifest present God. God, fully revealing himself in Jesus that we in turn conformed to the likeness of Christ, which was always God's purpose if we understand Romans 8 verse 29, but that's a whole other message. It was always to conform us to Christ for that purpose. What an honor. And so my invitation to you today is to be at rest in the knowledge of the presence of God. not gone anywhere hasn't abandoned us he's still accomplishing his purpose we just get to do it with him alongside him reconciling the world to God in Christ I believe it's very clear that in all of life and particularly when we choose to walk in a Christ-centered life it's being it's about being in God's relational presence I love where David proclaims this in Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You hear that? Where, where's his presence? Here with us. And so it's right that we should walk in fullness of joy and know his pleasures forevermore because he is present with us. And when we get a hold of this, all the peripheral things sort of drift to the periphery. <laughs> they become insignificant in the light of this truth. And so may the peripheral things be peripheral to you. May you find rest, hope, peace, joy in the knowledge that God is with us, that Christ is in you is the hope of glory that he is working his purposes and as I close I close with this may you know God's abiding presence with you and Kewana life may the Lord bless you and keep you And make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you know the light of his countenance lifted upon you. And may you know his peace today and evermore. Amen.